Can you give me a count to ten? Hello, my name's David Gedge. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He became a man at twenty-three. Now he's got to take up all the seats. I never knew he was so bold. I really think she should be told. But that's what best friends are for. And does she have a best friend anymore? I hope she tells him little lies Like she's not in the mood tonight Why do you write songs, David? I write songs because I'm, I'm driven to it, really. It sounds ridiculous uh, to say that, but it's kind of what I've always done from a very early age. You know, from I made up songs when I was about six or something. I think I've always been obsessed with pop music or rock music and I think it's always been my ambition to be involved with it in some way. Yeah, I didn't really kind of choose to do it, you know what I mean? I just, I just, I, there wasn't a day when I thought, hmm, I think I, will, I want to write songs. It, it's, it's just, it's always been there and if I don't do it for a while, I kind of get withdrawal symptoms from it. So I think it's probably some kind of obsession or uh, addiction, <laughs> maybe. His that's the sound of David Gedge singing with his band The Wedding Present back in 1987. It's a song called Don't Be So Afraid from their classic debut album, George Best. Have you seen her without makeup? And I don't think he's had much fun. And home she tells him little lies. Like onions always make her cry. A much beloved indie pop classic, it's one of those rare debuts that captures the urgency and realism of a band in its infancy. Still bristling with a youthful anger and still rooted in small town stories. For David Gedge, it set out a songwriting template filled with kitchen sink romanticism and blunt northern wit. Thirty years later, in the midst of an anniversary tour, he shared his memories of writing the album, the influences that informed it, and his relationship with the material now. It's David Gedge of The Wedding Present on the Thin Air Podcast. I don't really even enjoy doing it because it's quite, I find it quite hard work and <laughs> it's quite stressful. And especially when you've reached my position of having like 250 songs now or something, you're always competing against yourself. So you're kind of thinking, you know, what, I don't want to kind of do the same thing again. So I've got to move on and try, try different ideas and go off different tangents, I suppose. And it's always a stretch. It gets harder, really. Can you remember maybe like the, the first song where you felt like you'd found a voice of your own? Or was that something that was... Gradual. It's gradual, I think. You know, I've always, you know, as soon as I've, I was able to learn instruments and form groups, I've, I've kind of been in bands and I've been writing songs since, since, yeah, you know, teenager, really. But then you always think it's that you've already found your definitive voice, I think, and then you, you know, learn something else or you kind of hone your technique and you move on or you, you meet different people and that starts a new, new band or whatever. Even even in the early wedding present days, you know, I felt that, that was I was kind of doing my definitive writing. But in retrospect, it was just the beginning of of, of even that kind of phase, really. I suppose so. It, it's something that evolves all the time, you know. I think that's one of the beauties of uh, being involved in a creative kind of process. I think the album that you're going to be performing tonight that's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Can you still connect to the person you were when you were writing those songs? Is it easy to get back in that headspace? Uh, kind of yes and no, really. I think it, it's one of the three most personal albums that I've written. So lyrically, certainly, I kind of go back there, and it is like reading a diary, you know, from from like 
teenage and kind of early 20s. It's quite emotional in some ways, I think partly because of that reason. Because this is, this is the last time we're going to do it as well. So I'm kind of saying goodbye to it as well, you know, in a weird way. So. You mentioned these songs being quite personal. What kind of impact did that have on people around you? Because there like, there's a lot of name dropping. I don't know how like, fictional that is or otherwise. You know, like uh, Kevin and Michelle and Jane, all these different people you, you reference. How much of that was within your life or how much of that was fiction? It was all totally non-fiction. <laughs> Which is, you know... It's funny because I, I kind of stopped doing it a bit after that because uh, it did feel a bit weird to be kind of so honest and naked about about subjects which were you know you know quite you know, quite big <laughs> in my life and and my the, the lives of, the, of those people really. I used to always worry that that, that that you know because sometimes you're singing about people and it's not always in a good light you know it's it can be quite negative and people didn't seem to mind actually. I think you know that. I think they're so flattered that, that they're actually in a song <laughs> that they yeah, didn't care that if it was a you know, negative uh, description of them. So, yeah, it, it, it's kind of odd. But then I think that kind of, that helps me kind of enjoy playing it live now, really, because it, it, you know, it, it is real, you know. Yeah. It, it's not just people, it's places. And you know, I can literally remember where all the situations that happened in that album you know, took place. It's almost like a concept album. It's about, you know... The end of someone's first proper kind of relationship that you know, you know they thought it was going to be the one, and it, it wasn't. And uh, it ended in kind of acrimonious. Oh yeah, you do that. I, suppose, yeah. I thought I'd leave the space so you could edit that out, but maybe that's a, that's a better end. <laughs>
I don't, like something that strikes me about it, as you say, it's you're, you're finding your voice as you progress and evolve as a person, and your perspective on things change. But it, it does seem like an inherently British album. You're talking about what you know. You were able to celebrate the mundanity and melodrama of everyday life. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, that was a sort of definite uh, like a kind of decision. An evolution of my style because I think uh, it, uh, there was a point where I just felt that I didn't want to do any more kind of metaphorical <laughs> imagery or sort of, sort of you know poetic kind of sounding stuff, and so I think so by the time you know, certainly we did we did George Best, I, I was kind of I thought I was all very pretentious and I wasn't going to do that anymore, and I kind of moved away from it. So I did hone this style, which is theoretically very conversational it's just the way people say things especially you know you know where I was in the north of England and I grew up there so I kind of purposely used phrases that people would use there to kind of stamp that I was kind of analyzing the way people talk to each other and what they say how they say it why they say it especially in the confines of a, of a relationship that's local to that area oh why do you catch my eye then turn away we said all the things we had to say Sean said he saw you holding hands with your new friend How does it feel to know you've just won again? Don't give me that Is it worth seeing? Everyone thinks he looks daft, but you can have your dream. Sonically speaking, you know, there's that urgency and brittleness about the delivery of everything. Was that quite instinctual or was that a conscious decision? It was instinctual, I think. You know, we formed the wedding present and the final lineup change actually was the, the drummer, uh, Sean Charman, in about 1984, I think. Before then, we were kind of struggling a little bit to have a, a unique, identifiable sound. And then uh, with him, it kind of all finds place. And, and sort of aggressive, punky, kind of frantic feel just started happening at rehearsals. And then by the time we came to George Best, it, it, it's trying to imagine a slow song on that album. And there isn't one, really. And that was, you know, in some ways that, you know, I see it as a fault of that record because there isn't a lot of diversity in really. And it, it's, it's kind of just all, all the way through. It's just this kind of frantic, uh, you know, jangly guitar assault. I kind of like that about debut albums, though, like a band's infancy having this continuity, because you know they're not going to write the same kind of songs once they've been together, you know, for a, a number of years. But in that infancy, there there is a continuity there that isn't really thought out. Oh, totally, yeah, and I think that's what you know. Obviously, yeah, I think people do like that. It's definitely got a sound, mm. and I think that sound might have dated a bit, really, but. I mean, it's definitely a kind of a mood and a feel to that record. But I just feel that like, over a period of 40 minutes, maybe, you know, you're kind of looking for for something else to, to change or to, to add. But, but, but that was the sound of the band. You know, you know, like you say, that was the, you know, the sound of the band writing songs at that time. And it's a, it's a perfect document, really. Girls behave in that way 
What were you hoping to achieve with George Best when you were writing, recording, releasing that album? Uh, you know, we'd never been uh, particularly ambitious. I think, I, I think at the time it was just you know we started a group, we uh, you know made some singles, we played gigs. John Peel played our records. We, we did some Peel sessions. You know, we played in Europe. It was all very exciting, and, uh, and you know we really enjoyed it. But then. There was this kind of feeling. I think it came from the distributor actually, because we had our own label, but it went through. It was paid for by this distributor in York called Red Rhino, and they were kind of saying, "Well, you know, at some point you've got to do an LP because bands do LPs. You know, it's, it's part of the uh, ritual, if you like." And then they, you know, did explain that we would make more money from it, you know, because obviously you don't make as much, uh, you know, money from singles. And so, I think it was always uh, there as an ultimate ambition. But we didn't really have any expectation for it, really, and I think uh, we were probably a bit surprised about uh, 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 by how successful it was. In it did take the band to you know the, uh, another level, I think. And then once you do have that recognition or an expectation on you, did, did that affect your writing? Do you feel? I mean, were you aware of an audience thereafter? I think you are. Yeah, yeah I'd be a liar if I, if I wasn't. Of, aware of an audience yeah, I do t sort of tend to try and write for myself really because I think you know once you start going down that road of of, of of trying to write for other people it's a it's a tricky sort of path to follow because you know you end up kind of watering stuff down I think and then you know you're already writing with sort of three other people in a group for instance and so, so it's never your uh, kind of unique vision anymore and I think to expand on that and say well you know it's not going to get on the radio unless you do this or you know it's going to sell more if you do this it's a dangerous road to go down really so we've always tried to avoid that it's a possibly to the detriment of the band really because I'm sure we could have been bigger had we not sort of gone down certain <laughs> routes and made certain decisions which were a bit shooting ourselves in the foot but uh, I'm you know, happy with the uh, uh, the records we've made and, and, and the songs I've written, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud that we've, you know, we've, we've never really chased the big pound sign or whatever. But yeah, you are aware of the audience, obviously. Once you, I mean, you can't uh, not be aware of it, you know, when you've got people to come to the concerts and sending you letters and stuff. You kind of mentioned it earlier, like George Best being something of a concept album, and I was talking about this with another songwriter recently the idea of a muse in the traditional sense, like one person or your relationship with one person prompting not just one song, but several songs. Was that the case for you? It was unplanned. I always sh I kind of shy away from the uh, the notion of a concept LP because I always, you know, I grew up in the 70s where it, it really was kind of people in in long cloaks sort of singing about, you know, uh, nights of the round tables. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was proper concepts. But uh, I think I think every album is a concept album to a certain extent because uh, like you were saying earlier you know it's a band at a certain time it's a snapshot of what they're doing over a couple of years so, so that, you know there's often a feel to the writing and maybe the recording you know you have a certain sound to it or a mood to it but then uh, but lyrically certainly for George Best that was 
sort of really about that that kind of one uh, particular relationship, I suppose. Because it obviously, you know, it was a massive thing to me as a as a teenager, you, you know, meeting somebody who you think this is my proper girlfriend now, and this is going to be it, and then uh, you know that relationship kind of going sour. It's a massive thing for a, for a, it's a massive thing for anybody, but but I think even even more for a for a person of that age, and so it, it did inform. You know the lyrics, obviously, and I imagine made them better because of that reason, really, because it, it's all heartfelt stuff, really. Well, again, it, it it does feel very honest. It's immediately convincing. You're not always portraying yourself in the best light in those no. songs. Um, was that ever something you were conscious of, like trying to mine into details and make things more specific for yourself? Yeah, I've always been very interested in that, really, to kind of uh, celebrate the ordinary, which sounds very un-kind of pop starry. And, and uh, you know, we have been criticised for that, or I've been criticised for that, because we, you know, we're not one of those bands that sings about reaching for the stars and all the rest of it I, you know you know i've often you know thought of my lyrics almost as like a drama you know you can write them out and it's almost like a play without the you know the names of the characters because it is it is a, is a very you know it's a story told in terms of conversation really well i suppose a to make it re- uh, real and, and b to color it a little bit it, it, it's nice to kind of bring in stuff about you know the surroundings and the you know yeah it's like it's like having props in a play and you know almost you know it's, it's something to uh, work with who was inspiring you at the time of george best well that was my girlfriend at the time called jazz and uh i met so i met her at school in sixth form and then i went off to university in leeds and then she came a year later and then uh but then she left me for somebody else so that so that was the the whole kind of uh, and then so that was about uh, 1983 or something 84 and then she left uh, she went to live in, in in New York actually with this other person and that's when the wedding present was born so it was very fresh in my memory all this yeah. drama and, tra- and tragedy so yeah it, you know it's it, it informed uh, the songwriting process for about the next five years I think really you're not such a nice girl after all It's as much as you can do just to say hello Have you got to stick your head inside that book? Oh, you've noticed that I'm here now It's better than to look It's such a beautiful evening Oh, would you like to go out? Oh, pardon me for breathing Walk a different way each night To avoid the men on the building site But I waited half an hour for you to come Oh well you missed your dad And he's now overdone Let's only part of loving Please don't accuse me of Making something out of nothing What about uh, like musically or otherwise, or was there particular songwriters that you were looking to at that that time as something to not exactly beat, but certainly something to uh, strive towards? I think I think my chief inspiration was was John Peel really because I discovered his program about the same time as I discovered punk, and I, I, you know, I, came a, I became a massive fan of it to the point where I didn't really miss any of his programs really, even to, you know, to the day he died almost. And so I said, 
in some ways all the music he was playing kind of inspired me uh, and influenced me uh, but it's I guess it's always been kind of guitar bands in general you know the Velvet, the Velvet Underground I always say especially for George Best because it a lot of that kind of there's a lot of rhythm guitar on there which is kind of Velvet Underground influence although we obviously play a lot quicker <laughs> and I, I think Lou Reed's style of, of of the lyric writing was 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 kind of conversational as well. Obviously, conversations from a whole different world away, but still seemed very real. Mm. When you had other people in that kind of post-punk era singing about, you know, I don't know, Echo Nibbani and the sort of body man was always very kind of mystical and Oblique magical, and abstract, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I used to enjoy the fact that with Lou Reed, you could totally understand what was going on. a sense of setting in a lot of those Velvet Underground songs and a sense of um, like being deceptively simple you know songs like Pale Blue Eyes which are obviously about really complex relationships but it's really the nuance of them Mm. delivered in a everyday language yeah Uh, and uh, and that totally affected me and uh, hopefully I've emulated that in some way Uh, certainly you know lyrically and then also, you know, just a general kind of musical guitar bands would be like the Membranes, I suppose, or the Chameleons who I went to school with, actually, so they influenced it a bit. And, uh, yeah, as I say, just kind of Peel-type bands. I suppose that a thing like John Peel made it very tangible, made it seem very possible for people to write songs and people to get on the radio. And Well, I think punk did in general. Yeah. And there was definitely that feeling that, you know, I think, I think pre-punk it was either big pop stars or kind of progressive rock musicians who went to public school and university and formed a group there and then suddenly there was kind of these you know working class kids from towns like Manchester who just like the Buzzcocks or you know sort of forming bands and singing uh, your own accent as well singing your own accent and yeah there was a feeling that you know it was something that that that, uh, became less inclusive I suppose And, and you know obviously once John Peel had shown his, his kind of, I say support for the wedding present, but you know, the, the fact that, that he played our records on the radio, that that kind of set us off on the road then, and people, you know, started coming to us and saying, "Oh, come and play in my town," or come, you know, be interviewed for my fanzine or whatever. So there was no going back after that, really. And that process of refinement, just in general, like working on the lyrics separate to music. Is it about trying to avoid tropes or cliches or obvious rhymes or what? What kind of uh, what kind of drafting process is going on? A very extensive one. Yeah, I, I'm very aware of trying to uh, like avoid cliche and repetition from stuff I've done before. So it's just a case of finding a an idea or a story and then and just sort of coming up with the first draft and then. I mean, it takes me days, really, <laughs> and it's really boring and really monotonous. But but that's the only way I've, I've found you know that, that I'm happy with it really. And I do like perfect rhymes, so I'll spend ages trying to think of rhymes because I think rhyming is important in pop music. And I look back at some of the early stuff that I've 
that you know let myself get away with kind of not being uh, quite as uh, precise on the rhyming and and, uh, and just the way that words fall in a, you know, in a song because it is I think it's all important you know it's kind of things that you don't really think about or you know in pop music you can get away with not thinking about because it's you know, it's quite a low bar in, in some cases. Uh, but once you get it right and it all fits in perfectly and, and the lyrics make sense and, and they scan perfectly and they rhyme and it's a nice vocal melody and the, 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 the band sounds great, I think, I think that's, yeah, that's what I'm aiming for really. And that's, that's, for me anyway, it's not something I can do in half an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, it's worth, the, it's worth the, the, the process sometimes. As a final uh, thing, what would, uh, what would be your advice to songwriters? In what respect? In respect to doing something good. Well, there's different levels of it, isn't there, really? I mean, you know, uh, people often ask me, you know, what should new bands do? And I always I always think make a really extreme record or single because I think you want something that, that attracts attention and you know, leaps out of the radio or something. Then that's not always the answer for, for, for a more established writer, I don't think. I think you know you just—it's it, harder work than people think. Basically, I, th I, you know, I think people think they can, you know, play a few notes on a on a piano or a guitar and you know, add a few lines of singing, and it it, it works. And it, it's often you know it, it often doesn't work. It often it becomes successful, <laughs> but that's 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 more, more to do with how much money's being spent on it, or sort of being in the right place at the right time, or getting you know picked up by someone who is a, some kind of sponsor to you but it it, it, it doesn't often make it you know, a great piece of music or, or a great song and uh, I think that is quite hard work I mean there's talent involved but also it's, it's a lot of kind of, of laborious uh, I mean I approach it from a kind of a mathematical point of view I think because I, you know that, I think that's my nature uh, I actually did mathematics at university and I think that sort of probably influences the way I sort of you know construct music and uh, often it is very it's a complicated process of putting simple things together if you like but then but there'll be a point you know when you've you're kind of beavering away at something and then it'll just go yes that's it it works that, that, that you know we've found the ultimate you know, way of betraying this particular piece of music uh, is it, do you think you have a good objectivity with regard to your own work you can kind of step back and recognise where you're falling down with something I think so yes I think I've been in it for so long now that I'm, I'm very aware uh, when my own standards have not been attained and then it, it's quite a depressing moment oh you know you'll bring somebody in and they'll you know you kind of uh, you say let me just play this new song I've been working on and then they'll you know they'll sort of highlight a couple of the faults and you know what those faults are going to be I know that you know, one of those lines is going to stick out as being a bit clumsy or that tune doesn't really work and you kind of think oh, yeah, maybe it's alright, maybe I'm too overcritical and then someone will come in and say yeah, I'm not sure about that line and you, yes, that's exactly right um, you know so I don't even need that person anymore because I'm, I'm very aware of, uh, of my own shortcomings but I've got to say that's just, you know, this is just me you know, you hear these stories, don't you? I'm not sure if they're if they're sort of mythical or what, but you know, people writing songs in half an hour, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have heard that. I just yeah. sat down like Neil Young, you yeah. know, coming right <laughs> off the top of his head, and it suddenly it comes out, and it's this amazing song. But yeah, or the Beatles. You've you've yeah. not had songs like that in your past. I don't think so. No, 
Uh, it's always been a lot of work for me. <laughs> okay. Is there songs where you'd maybe get like the, the title of the song and then you know, okay, I know there's just, there's a narrative to fill in here. I've got the essential crux of the song in one line. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, yeah, the, I think it's different for every every song. You know, sometimes it'll be the music that'll influence it. Sometimes okay. I will think of a title and then build the song around it. And then often the title's the very last thing. I think On George Best, actually, my favorite dress it wasn't called that for ages. It was called something left behind because that's in the chorus is always something left behind. And and then I thought, yeah, something left behind. Well and then one day I just kind of woke up and thought, my favorite dress. That that works so much better as a title because straight away you've got a a feeling of you know what's it about, mm-hmm. and it it just sounded less generic and less. I don't know. It just you know I was so happy. And then that completely changed my mind about that song. Really, you know, it did, didn't. F- it felt like it was completed then, really. So, but that came, yeah, very. I mean, it, it's probably almost. I'm sure we were playing it live by that point, and it was. It wasn't called that yet. <laughs> There's a line. My favorite line in that. Uh, uh, Slowly, your beauty is eaten away uh, by the scent of someone else in the blanket where we lay. Dan, that's an amazing lyric. I mean, were you aware of that at the time that you would? really struck upon something quite detailed with that song I mean that was one of the singles before the album wasn't it it was before the album but but not particularly no I th- you know I think that, you know the whole of that LP is like that though really if you, if you look you know, there's loads of lines that that, that you know, to me kind of uh, encapsulate that that kind of feeling that you know there's lust and there's jealousy and anger and betrayal and all that kind of thing particularly sticks out but I didn't think so at the time no and I suppose just finally, uh, you did mention, uh, well, obviously like Lou Reed or, or the Velvet Underground kind of inspiring you at that time. And I'm thinking in terms of uh, keeping things fresh for yourself and, and being sparked to write, is there a- any new music that you've heard that, is, that has been inspiring you or, or any new influences that have come into your, your thought process recently? No, because I think a lot of, uh, actually most kind of new music that I hear now, always reminds me of something before and right. I, know, I know rock and roll is, has been cyclical f- f- since it started really in the 50s or whatever but I, I think the first time I heard the Velvet Underground or the first time I heard The Smiths or Sonic Youth or you know uh, the Pixies it, you know I could see where they were coming from but it, it sounded like they, they created a new form of music out of it and I don't see that anymore now I, it's kind of like I see a band now and they sound like Joy Division, or they sound like a 70s punk band, or they sound like a 60s psychedelic band, or a disco band, or, which is great, you know, and they do it really well, and it's nice that, that uh, those genres are, are kept alive, but I think we've kind of, sort of come as far as we can go, really, with drums, bass, guitars, and keyboards. I think it's all been done, you know, I think punk was an amazing revolution, house music was, you know, took it another, to a different place, and all these genres have, since the 50s, Kind of until kind of this century, really, until the end of the last century, I th- you know, and since then, or you know, every new band, I was thinking, well, that sounds like surf music from the, from, it's not like the Ventures, or it sounds like, and so I think, uh, for me, the, the kind of innovation that's inspiring at all is actually in the way music is recorded now or processed. Yeah. But, so it's in the technology, I think, that, that uh, where the exciting innovation is, but but not particularly in in the actual songwriting but you don't get jaded about it uh, no not at all it's just the way it's, I think it's a natural evolution I've got no reason to be, <laughs> to be jaded about it really I don't think well I appreciate your time again and 
best of luck tonight. Thank you. So here's another story. A man walks into a bar. It's terrifying because he's trying something different. And he hasn't got very far. So he buys another mellow. And then doesn't feel quite so bad. It's like he's finally stopped doubting his decision. To give him everything he had. Because he knows this. There's nothing to be afraid of. Because he chose this adventure for himself. And something good is just about to happen. He can feel it. I see change in the air. And if he falls short, it doesn't really matter. Because quite frankly, tonight he doesn't care. away his mobile He won't be calling her again In fact it's like the past just never happened And it's kind of strange but then But then he knows this There's nothing to be afraid of He chose this Adventure for himself he knows this There's nothing to be afraid of He chose this Adventure for himself Something good is Just about to happen He can feel it I see change in the end If he falls short It doesn't really matter Because quite present with Bird's Nest from their most recent album Going Going released in 2016 and this has been the Thin Air Podcast. My name is Danny Carroll. Thanks again for listening. Leave us a review on iTunes maybe? I don't know. Do what you feel. Thanks. Bye bye.